Go ahead and be seated. Aaron, I'm going to do this right now. We were sitting there trying to figure out why her guitar was not working, so. Okay, so you realize what time of the year it is, right? I say it every Wednesday night because guess what? School's about to start. Okay, let me ask. How many teachers in here are excited about school starting? Three. <laughs> Three. Oh, cool. That's great. How many students are excited about school starting? Okay, let's do How many parents are excited about school starting? Oh, they don't, they don't just raise hands, they clap. I love that. I love that. that. That is so great. So great. So great. Well, Wednesday was an interesting day for me. I guess it was interesting for Trish as well. We celebrated 31 years of marriage. So... Well, I, let, me, let me say, I celebrated 31 years of marriage. Trish celebrated 31 years of putting up with me. So, um, and there's, there's kind of an interesting story that goes with that. At one point in time, well, I can't say that. Earlier in our relationship, Trish really didn't like me. I can't say that at one point in time she didn't like me because there's times she probably still doesn't like me. But that's okay. But there's a point in time that, that she just did not like me. I don't know why. <laughs> But um, she came to her senses, and so. You know, it, it could be one way or the other. But anyway, um, it, we went to, went to breakfast. Our Wednesday this, this year, or this, this past week, we had regular Wednesday stuff to get ready for on Wednesday nights, and we were planning to drive to Texarkana to help my mother-in-law with some stuff. So we were leaving after rehearsal Wednesday night. We got to Texarkana about 1 Thursday morning, so that was good. Tyson went with us, our three-year-old grandson, but the best part was he slept the whole way, which was not bad at all, but it was something that happened when we went to breakfast. We went to the new Denny's up here, and um, I always find it interesting when I go and I sit down. You know, nobody seasons food until they bring it, you know, you get to season it on, the, on your table. I season it when I cook it. To me, that works better. And so we're sitting there, and, and I do like a little bit of salt and pepper on my eggs. And so I reach over and I grab the salt. And there's salt in the shaker, and I'm shaking it, and I see it shaking. But they have rice grains in it. Okay? So it's like, okay, so I reach over and grab another salt shaker. Maybe this one will be better, because I don't want to open them up. That just gets a little creepy. Nothing. So I go to another table and grab it, and it's like... I'm just going to open the salt shaker. So I'm gonna, The rice grains were huge rice grains. And I'm like, there's no way that the salt would have ever gotten through there. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, break it up. So I just open it and pour some in. And then you're kind of like going, what do I do with the rest of this? It's not like I'm cooking so I can just throw it in there. I can't throw it at the sink like I normally do at the house. So it's like, okay. I don't want to throw it on the floor. That's just rude, okay? You know, you didn't. Throw it over your shoulder. Maybe that'll be good. But I got my salt out. Now, I can always get the pepper to work, but it's always the salt that's the weird thing. You know, it has a tendency to clump up. So, um, and with that in mind, I want you to do me, do me a favor. Go to Matthew chapter 5. 
We're going to go Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus is talking, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? And no longer, it is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather a lampstand, and it gives light for all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let's pray together. Fathers, we look into your word this morning. Speak to us as only you can. God, I pray that, that none of us leave this room the same as what we came in, that we would be open to hearing from you. God, we love you. Speak now, please. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You've probably heard this passage before. It's talking about you are the salt of the earth. How many uses can you think of for salt? Anybody have a guess? Close. You're only off by about 10,000. I did a little research. They said that there's over 14,000 documented ways to use salt. And not just seasoning food. And that's all different types of salt. Because all salt has the same basic makeup. There's times that they'll put something in to keep it from clumping and caking and stuff like that. Um, How many folks like to cook with kosher salt? That's the only salt I'll cook with. Don't give me iodized salt. It just doesn't taste right. You've noticed there's a difference in, in the taste of salt. Have you noticed that before? Okay. okay. Have you tried the pink Himalayan salt? It's a little different. Have you tried the black salt? They have black salt. Well, it's kind of gray, but they call it black salt. I've tasted it once. It kind of tastes a little fishy, and I'm like, mm, it's okay. So I guess it must be sea salt. Okay, some of you caught that one. <clears throat> but I love it, love it when we look at what Jesus is talking about. It says, you are the salt of the earth. So let's think about how many uses there are for salt and how this could apply to what Jesus is talking about. We as believers, we as professors of Christ, that we place our faith and trust in him, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. What are some of the most, when I say you are the salt of the earth, what are the, the first things that come to your mind as far as uses of salt? Meat, make meat last longer. What else? Ice cream. Okay. You're going to make me hungry here in a minute. Easing pain. Icy spots on the sidewalk. Kill slugs. <laughs> you know, a good hammer does that too, but it's not near as much fun as to sit there and watch it melt. Now, would that be cruel and unusual punishment as opposed to a hammer? I'm just curious. We could talk about that, but we'll do that one later. Does salt make you thirsty? Okay. Now, I've heard this. I can't prove it, but I have heard this. That in certain establishments to where they provide um, adult beverages, they keep peanuts and pretzels out. Because they make you thirsty. 
so that they can sell more of those adult beverages. Never been there, couldn't tell you, but I've heard stories. I've seen pictures on TV so, and on the internet. So if it was on the internet, it has to be true, right? At least that's what Abraham Lincoln said, um, <clears throat> if you've seen that quote. But salt can make you thirsty. So let's look at this for just a minute. If Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, and let's take the thirst for a minute. If we're the salt of the earth, do we make people thirsty for living water? Could we do that? Jesus says, I'm the living water. He talked to the woman at the well and said, I'll give you water to drink and you'll never thirst again. So if we're the salt of the earth, can we help people become thirsty for that living water? Hmm. Was mentioned about preservation. I was looking at some of the, some of the information on how they, they preserved meat. Nowadays, it just kind of scares me that if you're going to pack a piece of meat in nothing but salt and hope it lasts, I'm kind of going, I don't know. I'm not sure. But it preserves meat. So it's a, it's a preservative, a natural preservative. Do you realize that our country is in trouble? Do you realize that our country is deteriorating? If we're the salt of the earth, could you imagine how things would be deteriorating if it weren't for Christians standing up and praying? How, fast, how much faster would the deterioration be? It was mentioned about healing. The students have heard this story, so bear with me. I had a friend when we lived up in the panhandle that told this story one day. And he says when he was growing up, he worked at a grocery store in a butcher shop. And he said he was going through and doing, doing some work. And something or other happened and something slipped. And he said, I cut my hand right across the center of his hand. And he says, of course, the knives we were using were extremely sharp. He says, it was just a, a surface cut, but it started to bleed. And he says, my boss, the head butcher, says, here, quick, give me your hand. He says, he reaches over in the thing of salt, grabs a handful of salt, sticks it in there, and then wraps a towel around it. He said, it didn't burn. He says, I don't know why, but he says he wrapped a towel around it and he, he, he tied it up and he says, okay, you go home and then come back tomorrow. I'm sitting there looking at him going, this will be an interesting story. So Rennie says when he gets back to, to work the next day, he said, I'm like 17 years old. He said, I get back to work and my boss looks at me and says, okay, let's check your hand out. He says, he undid it. He says, brush the salt away and he said, it had already started to heal. And you could see the scar in his hand. He says, I probably should have had stitches. But he says, he shoved that salt in there. That salt healed the cut in my hand. And I was reading, and this is what was crazy. One of the things I read is to take, if you get a bee or a wasp sting, they said, take salt, wet it, pack it on there, and wrap it. I'm like, okay. I've heard of tobacco. My grandfather did that to me. But salt to heal. It's like, Wow. Also talked about taking salt and putting it in a bag, in like a cheesecloth bag, and rubbing it on your windows to keep them from fogging up. That was interesting. But I'm looking at the, the way salt, the way that salt is used. But then notice the next thing that Jesus says, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. Now, Aaron mentioned just a minute ago about ice cream. My dad used to love homemade ice cream. 
We'd sit out there. We didn't have one of the electric homemade ice creams machines. Ours was a hand crank. And we'd take turns. We thought it was so cool to sit there and crank that. Then we realized it was work. But Dad made it seem like it was so much fun. It's like, now I'll stop and go. My kids are grown. i got to get an electric one. I'm not going to sit there and hand crank this. But you pour that salt around the edges. Did anybody ever grab that salt and run off with it just so you could kind of chew on it? I see some heads bobbing. You realize that was probably a bad thing that we were doing, <laughs> that we were shoving that much salt in our mouth. But um, then Dad would say, okay, go dump this out. And I couldn't dump it just anywhere because we kill the grass. And Dad would know where you dumped it because it killed the grass. And he would always say, okay, you go out to the back of the yard along the fence line. Because this is back before we had weed eaters, and that's how we did the weeding is we poured the salt in the ice back there. It would kill anything. But if the salt sat too long, it didn't work for the ice cream and it didn't kill the grass. So it became useless. So I see what Jesus is talking about. Throw it out into the road. It's just like gravel. And it's just there. It's still salt, but it's not salty. So he tells us not to be that way. If you go to verse 14, this is kind of an interesting one where it talks about you are the light of the world. One of the definitions I looked up for light talked about that it allows you to see. To paraphrase it, it was light allows you to see. We live in a world of darkness, right? Because of who's in charge of the earth. God's given Satan the opportunity to be on the earth. There's some darkness. There's some darkness there. How many guys, well, I have to say guys and girls, how many out here are flashlight fans? You like flashlights. I see some, some, some female hands going up. I see some hands, some folks going, don't worry, Cody, I won't mention your name. <laughs> Man, you give me a good flashlight. <clears throat> yeah. I got one of that inherited from my stepfather-in-law. It's got a stun gun on the end of it. Buddy, man, you got this thing. You, I mean, you got to plug it into the wall for it to charge. It's got an LED light, and it's got three different settings on the light. If you hit the wrong switch, it's got a 2 million volt stun gun on the end of it. And you turn it on and go, I don't remember which one of the buttons it is, so you kind of gingerly push, and if you hit the wrong one, everybody in the room jumps. I mean, this is, I love this flashlight. Man, it's a great flashlight. I don't carry it with me because I'm afraid if I do something, I'll hit the wrong button and zap myself and that would be real sad to come home with this ring about yay big around like on your leg to where it's like Trishler what happened well I, I stun gunned myself on purpose no but I love this flashlight it's a great flashlight and I like mag lights mag lights are good also have these that, that, that we use at super summer to help get the lights turned out that we shine up on the side of the building I have one that's a 10 million candle power one. Somebody says, bring it. And I said, no, I don't want to have to repaint the buildings. I'm afraid it'll peel paint off the side of the buildings. But man, we get out there with these lights. And you can see forever with them. And if you go out into the, in, in the country, I love it when I go to my mother-in-law's house because there's very little light pollution. And I can go out there and see, I can see stars all over the place. And one little light makes a huge difference. 
I can go out and look in her pasture and take one of, the, one of my big lights and shine it out in the pasture, and I can see way out. That's just one light. So what is more powerful, light or darkness? Do we know that? How do we know that? You know what darkness is, right? The definition of darkness is the absence of light. So if Jesus says you're the light of the world, where does that leave us? Are we the light of the world? Because Jesus talks here in this next verse, he says, A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. And the students have heard this one before also. When we would go to Amarillo, when we lived up there, we're driving along 287. And those of you that have been up in the panhandle can, can relate to this. You're driving along, you look up and go, oh, look, there's Amarillo. That's not too far away. Another hour, you look up and go, oh, there's Amarillo. Another hour, oh, still Amarillo. Because you can see that light from a long way. It's not because... It's close and bright. It's because it's light. Light will pierce the darkness. You can't hide that city on a hill. But he also says no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. How many of us have taken our light and put it under a basket? Or just kind of it away because it's like, ooh, with this group that I'm with, ooh, I, I, I probably need to, I need to hide this and keep this away. Why? I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it. One place where I worked years ago, I had the, before I was, I was just doing, I was a music minister, but they used to refer to me as the preacher. Oh, the preacher, so you got to clean up the language. Why didn't you clean up the language anyway before I came in? That was my question to them. But light, have you ever walked into a room and suddenly somebody changes what they're doing because it's like, oh, I don't want to offend you. Have you been that way? When I used to teach school, kids would do it because you were the teacher. Well, I better behave, the teacher's here. Really, that's the only reason you're behaving? Parents, have your kids ever done that? You walk into a room and suddenly they go, I wasn't doing anything. Oh, thank you for being guilty and telling me. Either that or you walk in, they go, I didn't do it. You didn't do what? One of my first churches I was serving at, we were in the van going somewhere. I was just trying to start conversation. And I said, so, what about the party last Friday night? Oh, I had kids telling me stuff. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just trying to start a conversation. You don't have to tell me about the party that actually happened and everything that happened. But have you ever had somebody suddenly change how they were reacting when you walked into the room? Because they knew that you're a Christ follower. Have you had anybody change their language when you walk up because they know that's not who you are, that's not how you talk? Have you had them do it before? I've had people say, oh, I guess I better drive a little differently because you're in the car with me. Gee, I hope you're not going to drive worse because I'm in the car with you. That could be a little scary. But Jesus talks about, in the same way, let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father 
in heaven. I want to point out something specifically to you in this verse right there where it says, so they may see your good works. Guys, you realize works are not what get us to heaven, right? Right? Okay. Don't make me do these. This is yes, this is no. Because there's some deer in the headlights. We don't do things to show our good works. The reason we went to Deweyville and did what we did in Deweyville was not so that people could say, oh, look at what you did, or for us to say, look at what we did. I think the reason we went to Deweyville is because God gave us an opportunity to go down and serve somebody. God gets the glory for it. God gets the glory for it. And I think the way that God actually used that in our case was that somebody was able to serve us because we were there serving. We gave somebody else the opportunity to do something out of the love that they have for Christ because we were doing something because we were doing it out of the love we have for Christ. And I thought it was great that some of the students that were with us had their homes messed up and they were down helping somebody else that had their homes messed up. And through all of that, God should get the glory. <clears throat> If we apply that back up to the salt aspect, there's times that we need to be that salt. We need to be that salt. We need to be what makes people thirsty for Jesus Christ. He himself said, I'm the living water. You'll never thirst again. One of the interesting things to me on the mission trip was Monday afternoon, I was with a swing crew. We had myself, and part of it was three guys and a girl. Then we had four guys and myself on this swing crew because we were hitting, we'd go knock out this, and we'd go knock out this. We went over to, to uh, Mr. Tommy and Miss Evelyn's house, started working on the pavers, and started picking up the pavers. They had about 40, 45 to 50 of the pavers already down. We pulled all those up. Then they had all these rugs there are rugs on top of rugs on top of rugs. Now, mind you, this has had water on it at one point, so you had dirt all the way through it. It was pretty nasty. It was pretty nasty. We're pulling this stuff up, getting it all done. And as we were doing that, we were just dripping with sweat. I mean, it was a point to where we were, we were digging the dirt to, to try to get it to, to smooth out. We had a two-by-four that we were screeding it with trying to get it going. We were just dripping it, making mud. It was actually kind of gross. But we kept wanting water. We kept going back to the water jug, back to the water jug, back to the water jug. Because we needed the water. If we are going to be the salt of the earth, do we have people continually going back to Jesus because that's where they get that life from? If it hadn't been for the water in Deweyville, we'd have been in trouble. Those water jugs, if it hadn't been for those water jugs, we'd have been in trouble. Because we were thirsty. Folks, we have the opportunity to be able to share Jesus, the living water, with people that are thirsty. They may not know they're thirsty. But we could be the thing that God uses to show them they're thirsty. And I don't think it's just to those that have not placed their faith and trust in Jesus. I think it's to other believers. 
I have had many, many people in my life that God's brought through my life, crossed my path, that has caused me to thirst more for Jesus. Caused me to thirst more because it's like, I want more of Jesus, I want more of Jesus, I'm thirsty, I want more of Jesus. I want to know him more. I want to know him more. And then when he talks about the light, I think that that's, that, that's twofold. One, that we show the light to the world that's dark. But I think the other one is we show the, show the light to other believers so that they realize you're not out there by yourself. You're not out there by yourself. You know there's strength in numbers, right? God is on our side, but if we have, if we are pulling together and we see that, if I see another light and we're looking for something or showing a path, that's great to pull two lights together and you get more light. You can see more. You can illuminate more. And then because you have more light, more people see what's going on. Guys, do you realize the opportunity that we have? The opportunity that we have to the entire world to show who Jesus is. What he can do in a life. And the differences it will make. I tell the students this on a regular basis. I look at them and say, guys, Jesus took 11. Well, if you count when they added the, the, the 12th disciple later on after Judas. Look at the impact that 12 people had on the world. Look at the impact that 12 people had on the world. Imagine what could take place if one church, one body of believers, were to live the same way. If we became salt, true salt, and we became that true light to let that light shine. Imagine what could take place. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is. So that people would see what's going on and they would glorify God because of what's going on. They would see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Here's my challenge. Kind of goes back to the Denny's example a while ago. Does salt do any good inside of the salt shaker? Does salt do any good inside of the box? When is salt the most productive? When it's being used. Guys, let's look at our church as a salt shaker. And not just sit here in the salt shaker. For salt to be any good, it's got to get out of the salt shaker. It's got to. I look over here and I see Rick, Ricky Bobby. And I think about him and some of his barbecue. Or let me say some of his cooking. Because I know he doesn't just do barbecue. And I'd be willing to bet you, Ricky Bobby does not have his thing of salt sitting there full, 
because he doesn't use it. You have to refill it, don't you? Because you use it, right? Because it doesn't do any good in the salt shaker. Guys, that's my challenge. Let's not just be a salt shaker that sits here and does nothing. That looks pretty. Oh, look at that. You've got a salt and pepper shaker. How neat. Do they work? I don't want that to be us. I want us to be the church that's the salt shaker that gets used on a regular basis and we get out of the salt shaker so we actually are used by God, for God, the way God wants to use us. And just like a flashlight or a candle, if they're not lit and turned on, what good are they? Be salt. Be light. The way God wants to use us. And let's see what God wants to do. Let's see what God wants to do and say, okay, here we go. I'm ready to be shaken. As I looked at that salt shaker Wednesday morning, I couldn't get anything out. It took a little bit of effort. I had to unscrew the cap and get into it. My prayer is that God doesn't have to take us and start to unscrew the cap, but that we're usable where he has us. We don't have too many clumps of, or too many grains of uh, rice in there to keep us from working. Let's be salt. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, I just want to come to you and just just ask that you would just move in the hearts that we need today. God, as only you can. Father, we've talked about salt. We've talked about you using us. God, that we would be ready and available to be used. And Father, I pray that if there is somebody today that hasn't gotten to the point that they have said, I need Jesus Christ in my life. Father, they want to place their faith and trust in him. That they would, they would come up and let somebody know. Let me know. Let, let Paul know. God, that today could be that day for them to be able to step out and say, I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that if somebody's here that's a point of saying, I've kept my light hidden. Because God, I know I have at times. Or God, make me salty again. Help me to get out of that salt shaker so that you can utilize me the way you want to. Father, I pray that you would just do that. God, we love you. God, I thank you for Jesus and that he is the reason that we're here. And God, I thank you that that tomb is empty. And they took him off the cross and put him there. And God, that tomb is empty and he is sitting beside you at your right hand. Father, I praise you for that. And Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.